They say so much, but they never tell you if it's any good. Are either one of these any good? Sir. What? Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Well, have you heard anything about either one of them? I find it's best to stay out of other people's affairs. You mean you haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these? Nope. Well, what about these two? Oh, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I don't appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. I was only pointing out that you weren't paying any attention to what I was saying. Uh, I hope it feels good. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating than pointing out the shortcomings of others, is there? <sighs> well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! Hey, you're not allowed to rent here anymore! This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. So tonight, Hollywood, we're really going to get in touch with our growing up rock ears and talk about VHS tapes that we own. Man, this is seriously taking a trip back because I own these VHS tapes and I'll be honest, I got nothing to play these things on. <laughs> I got rid of my VHS tape players a long time ago. What about you there, Sonny? Oh, I have a VHS tape player. I have a DVD player. I've got a Blu-ray player. I've still got a cassette player. I've still got a record player. <laughs> I got it all, right? I don't have a track. I don't have a track and I don't have laser disc because I never bought it, but uh, I still have a bunch of my VHS. So, you know, this was one of the ideas that I had put in the thing about, let's just talk about like four or five of the VHSs we own. Cause that could be very interesting 
because uh, in rewatching these the last couple of weeks for me, uh, they brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, I'll tell you what. This is the way we had to do it back in the day because uh, we've talked about it often on this podcast where we learned about bands and uh, were able to see our bands in magazines. But the first form of video was these VHS things that came out. And this was even really before or around about the same time, I guess, as MTV was happening. Video was coming into its own, but there was no YouTube. You couldn't just pull up a YouTube video with Van Halen or Bon Jovi or Motley Crue. It didn't exist. So they put out these VHS tapes and there were all kinds of different things, concerts and videos that they had on MTV, like a package of videos. So Sonny's right. He's had this idea in our sheet for a long time now. This was probably one of the first things you put in the sheet. And it goes along well with the grown-up rock theme. And so we've each picked five VHS tapes that we own that is centered around, you know, concerts or artists or rock and roll, whatever. And we're going to discuss those and how we came into them and uh, what we liked about them, that type stuff. But before we do all that, you know how we like to do here on the Grown Up Rock Podcast. we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from a favorite of the Grown Up Rock podcast, the band Striker from Canada. A while back, I did an interview with Dan Cleary, the singer. I discovered Striker on their last album, which I think was, uh, uh, shoot, it's been out for about I guess since 2018, Play to Win was the name of the album. And I think that album ended up, it ended up in both of our top tens for that year, I want to say, didn't it? That record? Uh, I don't remember, but I remember I liked the record. I don't remember if it ended in my top 10 or not, but I there was a couple of songs on there, like the front that I was just like, I still listen to at least once a week. I love that song. Right. And I got the opportunity to see Stryker in a small club. They were playing on a package across America or something, and I had the opportunity to interview Dan Cleary, uh, the band singer, and they've got several, several albums. The thing with Stryker is that they're – they're not consistent in their sound. And what I mean by that is they'll go from extremely heavy to like hard rock and melodic. And the heavy part turns off some people. I can take it as long as it's not. And the Dan's a great singer. So it's never cookie monster vocals or anything like that. But uh, some of the melody might get lost in some of the heavier, thrashier type songs that they do. But Play to Win, I think, was the first record out of their catalog where they really kind of bought it together and had a good kind of balance in the melodic and the heavy stuff. And I really enjoyed that album quite a bit. They won a Juno award in in Canada, which is the equivalent, I think, to like America's Grammy in Canada for that album. But they came on their their social media uh, a few weeks back and basically had a rest in peace meme which a lot of people took to mean that the band was breaking up and that was it. And they never confirmed it or denied it. And so it had a lot of people bummed out. I was a little bummed out over it. And, uh, you know, the next day they released a song 
called Death Wish uh, <laughs> off an upcoming album that I guess they're working on. And so that's what we're going to play for you tonight. This is a song called Death Wish from Striker. Check it out. New music. Out in the jungle Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
So I'm with you. They sometimes turn me off with a heaviness, but this one, well-written, melodic, production sounds great, love all the pinch harmonics. If this new album comes out and it has 10 of these, I'm 100% in. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Uh, they got a new drummer, Jonathan Webster, and new bass player, Pete Clausen, uh, who joined the band back in 2019. So really, they're new to the band in terms of this album and this music, but they've been with the band since 2019. So hopefully they've had time to gel. And when they get back out there on the concert trail and they're able to play again, they'll be rocking and rolling. I hope this new record is, like uh, Sonny said, a lot like uh, Death Wish. My guess is there'll be songs like Death Wish, but they'll still have some heavier stuff because I think they just enjoy it. So we'll see. As long as they have a good balance of it all, I'm in. But I really like this first single, Death Wish. It's uh, it's a lot heavier than it actually is. The song title's a lot heavier than it actually is. But I think it's a good uh, hard rock and melodic uh, tune. And uh, like I said, Dan's a good singer. So Striker from Canada. New song is Death Wish. Go out and check out some of their older catalog. Start with the last record, Play to Win, and uh, move backwards from there. There's some good stuff in there. All right, on to tonight's topic. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. So audio, visual, video, you know, there's been a combination of this in the music that we listen to our whole lives, basically, at least from when we were teenagers on. And this video thing is not new. I mean, the Beatles had movies, Elvis had movies, you know, the Who did something out there, you know, Zeppelin did some stuff, but really it was MTV that put it to where you didn't have to be a major band to have a video medium. And when MTV started taking off, I think some of these record companies started looking at it going, well, couldn't we just put it together our own VHSs and that we could sell 20, 50, 100,000 of those along with the million albums that we're selling. And a lot of these guys were pretty, they were good looking, there were posters on walls, et cetera. So why not make these kind of like interview backstage, just got part video, part comedy, part silliness to give like this view of the band that people couldn't get any other way because there was no YouTube, et cetera. For me, I started buying them new. And then there was a record store next to my house that used to buy, used, and then sell used. So I would end up getting all these VHSs over time. And honestly, they were easier to buy one of these VHSs and get the videos that you wanted instead of having to wait for them on Headbangers Ball because that was the only choice you had. Or you would have to wait through all the Madonna and the Hall and & Oates and the Michael Jackson and the Genesis videos to get to the one Ingve Momstein video they're going to play at 2 o'clock in the morning. So this kind of gave you an out. And we used to watch these at parties. I'll tell you that after rewatching some of these videos these last couple of weeks, like I was saying before, the memories have been unbelievable. We're not going to be talking about a lot of super big bands here. So that's kind of cool too. And it's interesting, out of the 10 that we picked today, I own nine of them. So obviously I own the five I had, but uh, I owned four out of your five. Yeah. What did you think about kind of picking yours and just the whole deal? How'd you get into VHS to begin with? Well, I mean, VHS was the first form, like I said, for us. And I remember once they became somewhat affordable, I was able to go and buy my own VHS player for my room. <laughs> and it was the kind, this is how cheap it was. It was the kind of VHS player that had the remote control that plugged in with a wire 
So it wasn't a wow. wi- it wasn't a wireless remote control. It was just a remote that was on a wire that you plugged in like a headphones, right? <laughs> that way you could sit ten feet back and push a button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and so you know, like we said, we had MTV. MTV was fine, but it was a pain in the ass waiting through fifty videos and ten hours of MTV just to see you know, one David Lee Roth or one warrant video or what, you know what I mean? It just wasn't, this was pre headbangers ball and all that stuff. And so whenever they became available, you went out and you bought things, especially if you thought that it was going to give you insight into your band. I wasn't a huge fan of just buying the, just the videos like the bands that had just videos and nothing else. Although we'll talk about some of that today because I own some still, but yeah, I mean, I've got all kinds of VHS tapes still on my rack, you know? Yeah. So the first one that I'm going to talk about was actually the second one I ever bought. So the first VHS that I ever bought music wise was kiss animalized uncensored. Right, because I was becoming a Kiss mm-hmm. fan, and it was a fir- I had already seen the Asylum tour, and I went back, and I'm like, oh, this is the tour before Asylum, so at least I can see what's going on, kind of thing. Yeah. But the first one I'm going to talk about on the podcast today is called David Lee Roth, David Lee Roth, and it was released in 1986. And I'll tell you that you know I'm 15, 16 years old, and anything David Lee Roth was doing visually had super hot women, and it always had bikinis involved, and just, you know, he was doing the whole California girls thing up really good. And I lived on the coast and it would just, it just felt like he was talking to me. Look at all the people here tonight. Oh man. And these four videos, the four videos that are on this VHS are just a gigolo. I ain't got nobody. California girls, Yankee Rose and going crazy. So this video is about 30 minutes long and it came out right after Eat em and Smile. And it kind of gave Dave an opportunity to share these four videos. And then there's about probably six to seven minutes total of his commentary. And he's sitting on a stool in a bar and he's just yapping just ridiculous things because, you know, it's Daily Roth, of course, they're ridiculous <laughs> things. And there's two women sitting next to him and they were doing nothing but like different poses. They're just kind of moving. So like their breasts move a little bit, their body shimmers a little bit. And it's just so odd, but you can't take your ears off a of day, but you can't take your eyes off the girls. It's just, it's done really well. And after watching this, uh, the other day, I'm like, you know what? When I don't feel very good, this half hour of silliness can make you feel absolutely wonderful, <laughs> right? I I watched this like at 6.30 or 7 at night one night, and uh, I go to bed, and Nicole's like, why are you all smiles? I'm like, I just watched this stupid video for a half an hour, and it was the dumbest thing ever, and it just made me feel so good because this is the bang zone of my senior year here, right? So when was the last time you ever seen this video? God, I can't even tell you. I mean, I've seen all the videos that are on that video. Part of the beauty of of this David Lee Roth video is that the stuff he delivers, he delivers. You can't help but smile because some of it is just pretty damn funny. The Yankee Rose and the um, Going Crazy, is uh, it, it has the extended intros to it, right? 
Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. The full videos, which are awesome. Oh, they're fantastic. I mean, absolutely fantastic. You know, it's funny because you're, you're like, you can't stop listening today, but you're watching the women and probably the girls can't stop watching or listening to Dave, right? So you got the guys who are looking at it, listening to Dave and watching the women. You got the women who are looking at it, looking at Dave and listening to Dave, right? Yeah, it's such a weird place in time, but it really gives you an opportunity to feel what the mid-80s felt like. Since we're talking Van Halen connections, give us one, because the uh, <laughs> first one you picked here, weren't they supposed to be Van Halen at some point? Uh, they certainly were at the time of this release. So I've got the Bullet Boys, and the name of the video is called Pigs in Mud. And it came out in 1991, and this was roughly on the heels of the debut album. So all the success they had with the debut album, and then as a promotional tool to push Freak Show, which was the second album that they were about to release. And maybe they had released it at the time of this video coming out, but there's a lot of clips within the video where they're discussing the artwork and discussing the new album. And then it also has THC Groove video in this Pigs in Mud overall video. So it has a few videos. There's a lot of behind the scenes thing. It's not very long. It's it's roughly 30 to 40 minutes long. It's a good like peek at the band, right? And I don't know about you. Well, actually, I do know that this first Bullet Boys record for you is a Desert Island record, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, same for me. So this first record is one of the best debuts ever released. As far as I'm concerned, it's fantastic. And I love it that much. And so I wanted to peek at the band. So I got this video because it had some behind the scenes thing. And they're just basically being most of the time, Lonnie and Mick are being just a little bit goofy at times and not all that serious. And Mark is just being Mark. But one of the things that I like and one of the things that was a realization for me when I watch this pigs and mud video is there's a there's a scene with Mark on the floor in an empty room, just basically playing guitar and, you know, sort of singing with no kind of amplification or anything. He's just strumming away and singing. And I think it was at that point that I realized, wow, Mark can really sing. He has a really cool tone to his voice and is just really a good singer. And I never knew he could play guitar because at the point of this video, I never knew he was playing guitar. It was only way later that I found out like he was a guitar player first and tried out for Ozzy's band and all this other stuff. So you didn't know all that at the time of this video release, but it's a fun look at the band and I enjoyed the videos and I enjoyed some of the scenes in it. Well, no. 
do you own this one or is this one that you don't own? No, I own this one. I thought the weirdest guy that comes out of this is Mick because he's really playing the weird, yeah. mysterious, yeah. you know, you can't really pin down who he is guy. Right. Right. But uh, now that we know the aftermath of what happens to the Bullet Boys, right. right, because we've seen the history play out, it was very interesting to me. There's several times in the video, which is only 30, 40 minutes, where they're showing Mark play guitar. They show him noodling on that guitar, and he's doing a little bit of soloing. Yeah. It's almost like Mark's trying to tell you, hey, uh, Mick's not the only guitar player. Just want to let you know that. You know, It kind of feels like that now that we know how history played out later. Right. And, and there's at one point in there where Lonnie's sort of briefly telling the story of how they got together. And, and he makes the comment that he and, and Mark and Mick were in a stale project. I think he's talking about King Cobra at that point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He just calls it a stale project. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of humorous. And, uh, you get a, you get a quick clip with, uh, Ted Templeman in there because he produced the first couple records. And, uh, I enjoy that video and that look at the band for sure. Uh, so that was one of my earlier VHS tape that I acquired. So next one I'm going to share, because one of the things that happened with these VHS tapes and later they became DVDs, obviously is that it gave the record company a way to make some non-TV money, and it gave the record company a way to release videos that MTV would not play, right? Because MTV got to a point where they started censoring videos. And so the next one I'm going to share is LA Guns, One More Reason, and it came out in 1989. So this is coming out right as Cocked and Loaded. It's coming out right before Cocked and Loaded releases. This thing is certified gold, so that means it sold 50,000 copies. It's not 50,000 copies at what, twenty four ninety five, right? I don't know how, what piece the band made out of this and how much the record company made out of this, but it's a nice chunk of change. There's a couple of videos on here that MTV didn't play because they were banned for being risque. One More Reason to Die has a bit of a horror murder mystery feel to the video. I'm not sure why they wouldn't play it. It's a little bloody, but not that bad. Sex Action, I get it. There was a little bit of nudity that was censored. Then the MTV Electric Gypsy videos on here. There's an acoustic version of the instrumental Cry No More. Tracy talks a little bit about not having a guitar lesson in his life. And then they do a great bitches back video, which was banned because there's all kinds of hot girls and girls making out and blah, blah, blah. Then one of the things that happened on a lot of these VHSs is, is there would be things on here that were not listed on the back of the sleeve. So the back of the sleeve just lists the five songs I talk about. But in the video, there's also a video for one way ticket that I never saw on MTV and it's not risque at all. And then there's a live recording of no mercy in Japan. So, and neither one of those are listed on the back of this VHS. And then when I started looking at some of the others, I'm like, oh, that happens quite often. It's almost as if the video uh, sleeve got printed and then the video itself got made later, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. This video, I think is only about 30 minutes too, if I remember right. Yeah. 30 minutes. So it's a quick watch and it's a little bit less interviewee and a little bit more video and hey you can't find this stuff on mtv but la guns has not gotten to cocked and loaded yet so they haven't really taken off so my guess is this thing certified gold after cocked and loaded had some success do you own this video i do not own this video and i'm not 100 percent familiar with it but what i did hear in your delivery and explanation of both the david lee roth and the la guns was that a you watched them and they both had hot chicks in them. 
That's right. And B, you were happy after watching them. And so right. I can only deduce from that that it wasn't probably the videos that was the reason you were happy. You went off and did something else. Yeah, quit watching videos, Poonie. It's not good for you. Yeah, but you know, I loved I loved the music too, so that was okay. <laughs> no, I, I I really I don't own this video, but uh, I've listened to the explanation from you, so <laughs> sounds like a good one to go pick up so that I can smile too. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to my next uh, VHS tape, which is Warrant's Quality You Can Taste. Now, this essentially was released after cherry pie and before or uh, right as dog eat dog is coming down the pipeline warrant had had all the success of the first album and the cherry pie album and this is essentially a video package so it has several of their videos on it and there are a few backstage things and a few personal moments with different members of the band that are wrapped up in this quality you can taste but one thing that's really kind of cool and one of the things that i saw that i felt like okay there's more to Janie lane than just being this blonde haired singer rock and roll guy whatever you're able to take a look and see some of Janie's actual talent uh so there's a couple of things that he just is working on and he plays acoustic guitar and uh, whoever's doing the interview or whatever says, you know, play some of this stuff for me, whatever. And he plays a couple of things that one of them, I think, ended up being stronger or ended up being an upcoming ballad that I thought was really good. And one of them, I don't think ended up becoming anything that I'm aware of, at least not on a warrant record, but he does this thing called pop music that I thought was really good. I thought the melody was good and I could hear it in a rock version. I thought it would make a really great warrant song, but I don't think it ever became anything, but I enjoy this. I think I actually got this copy from a record company. So I think it's actually a promo because that was around about the time I was working for a record distributor. So do you own this one, Sonny? Yeah, I own this one too. And it's interesting you say the promo thing. These guys were giving out these promos to, you know, record company guys, uh, you know, band managers, road managers, uh, the Tower Records folks, all that. And that's the kind of stuff that would end up in this Rasputin's that I used to go to all the time as used. Yeah. Right. So people would, they would get them for free, but then sell them to Rasputin's for four or five bucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Rasputin's would, you know, sell them for 10 or 12. Yep. And for a guy like me, why pay twenty four ninety five when I can go to get this thing for 12? That's right. I get it. I'm kind of screwing the band out of money, but I'm also not rich. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I really like this video, you know, warrant to me when I was watching this the other day, I'm like, it's got the poison party feel, Yeah. but they're better songs. And honestly, they're more talented. Right. So it's like, this is better poison basically to me, which I think that's part of why I like them. Right. It was interesting in the video, even Janie said, oh yeah, we're going to release blind faith and this is going to be our home run. This is the one that's going to take us to the top. It actually topped out at number 88 in the hot 100 and only big talk did worse out of the first eight singles. So they missed the home run and it was downhill after that, to be honest with you. So out of all the ones that we're going to talk about today, this was the one where it felt real. 
because you're getting a backstage look at a lot of these bands on some of these VHSs. Yeah. And this is the one that felt real, but I think it possibly feels real because we know how history played out. Right. And these guys weren't at each other's throats. We know Janie had a substance abuse problem that created a problem later on. But reality is these aren't guys that said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, like Skid Row and broke up and started creating problems and blah, blah, blah. That's not how these guys ended, right? So it feels real. It doesn't feel forced because there's a couple of these we're going to talk about today that it feels a little forced. Yeah, well, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think there's definitely some acting going on in a lot of these videos for sure. I know for me, there's definitely some of that going on with the Bullet Boys video that I talked about earlier. And yeah, uh, so yeah, I get your point 100% on that. It's interesting watching these videos now, knowing how history played out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it really interesting. Right. Right. Because, you know, just because you saw E.T., well, you don't know what happened afterwards. You just know E.T. exists. Right. So, but this is documentaries almost before the future happens. It's so odd. I don't know. It's it's weird. Well, especially because I don't know about you, but I mean, it's been a long time for me watching yeah. any of these that I'm talking about today. So I went and watched these recently uh, within the last couple of days, and it had been probably at least 20 years since I've watched any of these. And so exactly that, it's really kind of just a mind a mind fuck basically going, holy shit, you know, looking at this stuff now and knowing how a lot of it plays out. I, I love it. I actually love it. Yeah. It was really fun. Cause I remember when I was watching the Dave Lee Roth one, I'm like, I remember Billy Sheehan saying, look, that Roth band, you know, I thought it was going to be more band, but it ended up being more David than a total band. And that's not what I wanted long-term. And I'm like, you could tell that from the first video, Billy, yeah. it took you until 1988 <laughs> to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just interesting. Yeah. All right. The next one I want to share, we're going to go kind of deep in the archives here, and we are going to go with Ingve Momstein's Rising Force Live 85. So a lot of these uh, that I bought were concert videos. And at first I started buying them because, and this even says your plus price, 1995. I bought this one new. I started buying them because I couldn't see the shows, right? Or I hadn't seen the shows, or I started going to concerts a little bit later and these shows had already happened. Right. So I remember buying this after I had seen Momstein in 86 going, oh, that was really cool. I wonder if he has stuff out there. And then bam, there was a video. So this video, I believe it's from Japan. Yeah. It was recorded in uh, Tokyo, Japan on January 24th of 1985. And the set list, they open with, I'll see the light tonight. Then they go to as above, so below, which is off the first album. Don't let it end, which is off marching out. Far Beyond the Sun, which is off the first album, On the Run Again, which is off Marching Out, Anguish and Fear, and I'm a Viking, which is both off Marching Out. Then he goes to Kree Nakuri, which is off of Alcatraz, yeah. Disciples of Hell, which is off Marching Out, Hiroshima Mon Amour, which yeah. is off Alcatraz, Black Star, which is off the first album, and then Jet to Jet, which is off Alcatraz. So just an interesting blend, but Ingve was getting big in Japan for whatever reason. And I think part of it had to do with Alcatraz had a Japan following. So that kind of helped. And he wasn't English. He wasn't American anyway. So my guess is that being European and getting an opportunity to go to Japan helped too. But the band at this time. So you got anybody on guitar. You got Marcel Jacob on bass. Uh, rest in peace, sir. Andres Johansson on drums. Jens Johansson on keyboards. And Jeff Scott Soto on vocals, baby. And he's got the poodle hairdo. Jeff, I love you. 
that hair dude, you straight up had a fro. It looked great for 1985. So I got to give you that part. Um, <laughs> Jeff sounds great. And you can really tell that this stuff was not easy to sing. I'm really glad Jeff did not have to sing Ingve Malmsteen songs the rest of his life. Cause I'm not sure how his voice would be right now. It's a really cool video. Like I watched it the other day. I'm like, these guys are talented. There's no doubt. And even in 1985, dude, like Ingve has half the stage. Yeah. That didn't start in 2017. It's been like that a long time, but it was worth watching the video. Have you ever seen this live video? You know, I, I can't tell you for sure whether I've seen it or not. I would 
think that I've probably seen it because this is my bang zone of of Yngwie. And so I owned a lot of those records. So I'm going to say yes, but I probably saw it. And that's the last time I saw it was in 1985. (laughs) (laughs) Was not something like, like I said, we used to watch it at like poker parties and like parties just playing in the background on a TV because, you know, you're at a party and most everybody is a rocker and it's 1990. You can't just flip on MTV because you're going to have to go through 18 Duran Duran songs before you get to anything. And Headbangers Ball wasn't happening every night. So, and every party can't be at 11 p.m. on Saturday night. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'll be honest with a lot of the hangs and things and the parties and the hangouts and the, all that shit that I used to do in 85 with friends and stuff like that. Ingve's Rising Force, although it was something we liked and something we listened to, it wouldn't have been something that we would have played at gatherings, I don't think. Because the stuff you would have heard at my friends' gatherings would have been stuff like Van Halen, ACDC, Rat, Bon Jovi, that type stuff. Ingve is a little left of center, so I don't think that that would have been something we would have been putting on at a, at a gathering, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think what we used to do is we'd have like 10 or 12 videos there. Yeah. Put one in, let it play all the way through when it ends. Hey, can you switch the video? Somebody pick a new one in, throw it in there. And it's just kind of playing in the background, right? Cool. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. All right. We're going to just take a split second away from the topic here now and ask you to do us a favor. There are a couple ways that you can help the Growing Up Rock podcast, and it doesn't cost you a dime. It just costs you a few minutes of your time. One is if you're listening to this episode or you're listening to this show and you're listening to it and we give you any kind of entertainment, go leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. I put the links right there in the show notes for you. Just hit it on your phone. Go leave us a five-star review. Tell us why you like the show because we know you're out there listening. The numbers tell us we got listeners all over the world. So somebody's listening to our podcast and enjoying it. And that's awesome. And we appreciate it. The other way is you can join the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. So if you're a Facebook user, go on over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and join up. It's free to join. It's a private group. And we just discuss episodes. A lot of times Sonny has polls and things like that that he puts out there where you can kind of take part in the episode that we're recording and got coming up. Plus, there's just a lot of other great people in the group, and it's usually a very positive environment. Nobody's bashing on anybody's love for other bands. So it's a cool, safe place to talk about rock and roll. So those are the two ways. Other than that, back to our topic. So I guess I'm up next with my selection. And this was an important one to me because This and another one I'm going to talk about tonight, I absolutely wore out 
on the VHS player. And the first one I'm going to talk about is Skid Row's Oh Say Can You Scream from 1990. Now, they ended up releasing sort of a part two to this that I think was called Roadkill. And it was good as well. I don't think I liked it quite as much as I liked Oh Say Can You Scream. But I was in love with that first Skid Row record. That first Skid Row record was the bomb. And so I absolutely loved Skid Row. And you really couldn't find much about the band. And so this video came out and it was basically all stuff that was taken while they were on tour for that first album. And this is before Slave to the Grind, so there's none of that in this. And it's just a lot of them touring Japan, and there's tons of live, like, live concert footage with all the different songs and stuff like that. And you just really get an insight to the band being goofy and goofing off and being on tour and backstage and all that kind of stuff. And I love that kind of footage. And so, oh, say, can you scream is a must have if you're a Skid Row fan, as far as I'm concerned. Sonny, you on this one? Unfortunately, yes. I own two of them. Okay. Because these motherfuckers. So, by the way, this is platinum. It sold 100,000 units. I'm going to tell you why. Because they had one spine that was red and one spine that was silver. And I thought maybe I was getting different videos. Uh, negatory. <laughs> All they did was made two different spines. So I got two copies of this shitty movie. Let me tell you, Bach is brutal. <laughs> so I guess you have to go put 12 different recordings together to get a passable video so you can deal with his voice. This sweet little sister that's on here from Mountain View, California. I was at that show. It didn't sound great live either. And I will tell you just as much as I was telling you before about David Lee Roth after watching that video made me feel so good. After I watched this, what was it, hour 40? After I watched this hour 40 the other day, I fucking hate Sebastian Bach. And this is Sebastian Bach from the bar. Dude, I think it's cool. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because, okay, so here's what I'll say. <laughs> this video, they're all pretty young and really, really irresponsible punks. I mean, that's the best way I can put them. All of them are like that. The difference is, is that four-fifths of the band are kind of just goofy, laid-back, sort of drunken, irresponsible kids, punks. But Sebastian is that, but he tends to be aggressive. And you can see that aggressive side of him in different parts of the movie. And that can be sort of taxing on a person, especially if it at any point becomes violent or intimidating or any of that kind of thing. And I have a feeling that at some point it might have come to that a little bit. And nobody wants to feel intimidated at their place of work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it looked forced, right? And exactly what you said. You got four guys that are enjoying their lives and all, you know, all of the fortunes that are coming to them. And you got this guy that you can almost see his head get fatter mm -hmm. every show. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh. So my thing with Sebastian is, look, I love the first record, Desert Island. I love Slave to the Grind. After that, I'm out of the Sebastian business. That's just me. Sorry. I like Skid Row. i just not a huge Sebastian fan. That's just real talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, listen, I like a lot of stuff Bach 
did. I even like the third record, which I know a lot of people hate. But I almost won't go see him live anymore. And it's not because of his voice. It's because every time that I've seen him without Skid Row, there's been issues. Like he just, he treats fans. He treated somebody not nice. I just don't necessarily like it. And I've talked about it before on other podcasts. So I'm not going to go into it in any more detail. I won't take anything away from the Skid Row records with Sebastian on them. They're amazing. I love them. I uh, really love the first record. I like most of Slave to the Grind, and I like most of Subhuman Race. So it is what it is. But uh, I like the video. I mean, I like the backstage footage. I like the tour footage. So I always appreciate that kind of thing. What do you got for us next? All right. So my next one, again, digging deep. 1991 Badlands Dag the Giblets. All right. So, you know, at this point, you got Jakey e. Lee, you got Ray Gillen, you got Greg Chasen. And in this video, Eric Singer has left the band and Jeff Martin now enters playing drums. So I think part of this video was hey, we've got Voodoo Highway out there. We've got a couple of videos you might not see on MTV often, and we're going to put this together. And then part of the video was kind of introducing Jeff into the band. And they feel like they're at a point of ascension. We find out history writes they're at a point of descension. When you watch this video, it's 30 minutes. It feels a little forced. You can tell that the band, Jeff is fine. Greg is fine. You know, when they're talking to uh, Jakey Lee and they're talking to Ray Gillen, they seem fine. But when they're together, they don't quite seem comfortable with each other. I will tell you if you've never heard Ray Gillen sing, oh my God, you watch this video, you're like, who is this guy? How he is not regarded one of the best singers in rock history is amazing because he has a beautiful, beautiful voice. So, you know, watching this 30 minutes and kind of hearing the videos for the last time in the Winter's Call and Dreams in the Dark, you just kind of get a feel for how talented this band really was.
What's interesting is the video opens with Greg, Jake, and Jeff at the car racing track, and there's no Ray. And I think it's Greg who says, well, Ray didn't make the trip. So again, knowing how history plays out, it's like, well, that's a little weird. And then at one point, Greg says in the video, none of us cared about millionaires. Greg, we know. You succeeded there. Good for you. You're not a millionaire. Good job. You did it well. The VHS has uh, that uh, Winter Call video, which I had never seen on MTV, and it's hard to find. And Eric Singer is in that video. So, you know, for Kiss Nerds, if you've never seen that video, it's pretty cool. And I think the intent was to promote the new album and get people interested in the band. It's a quick half-hour watch. The impressiveness of Ray Gillen alone is worth watching this video. Have you ever seen this video, and do you own it? I've not only never seen it, I've never even heard of it. I have no no idea that this video existed. Wow. It's on YouTube in its entirety if you want to watch it. Wow. Dag the Giblets. What the hell is Dag the Giblets? I don't have a clue. (laughs) Don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll have to seek that one out because I don't don't know much about that. But I do love me some Badlands. I'll say that. Yeah. So on to my next video. Along with the Skid Row Oh Say Can You Scream, I picked up Bon Jovi's Access All Areas 1990 release. And this video, again, I love these videos that show backstage footage, tour life, that kind of thing, because I feel like it's it's kind of a personal look at certain things that you would not otherwise get to see. And there's a lot of it in this video to me. Uh, it's roughly about an hour and a half long. There's a lot of concert footage from the New Jersey tour, and it's just great backstage footage. It's got footage of them in Russia. It's just, it's really cool. I know with all the talk and, you know, Bon Jovi, what Bon Jovi has become isn't what they were originally. I'll tell you this. I saw Bon Jovi open for Rat on the Invasion of Your Privacy Tour, and I was blown away by how good they were live. They were really, really good live. Fast forward to all the success that they had on the Slippery When Wet Tour, the Slippery When Wet album, the New Jersey album. Seeing some of this footage from back during that time, they were just a damn good band live. Bottom line, they were a great band live. And back then when they were rocking and they were rolling and they wrote some great songs and and had some great melodies, they were just a force to be reckoned with back then. And and rewatching this video after all this time, it made me realize how much I loved those earlier Bon Jovi records and how much how great they were live back then. I really, really enjoyed it. And it just, you know, reassured me why I was a Bon Jovi fan back in the in the eighties for sure. You have this one, Sonny? This is the one I don't own. Yeah, wow. It went gold, but I wasn't one of the ones that bought the 50,000 units it sold. And the timing, I mean, Bon Jovi is huger than huge at this point. And I, I don't know why I don't have it. I never bought it. Yeah, have you seen it? I couldn't even find it. I wanted to watch it. I couldn't even find it. It is on YouTube. I actually watched it on YouTube because, like I said, I don't own a VHS player. But the full copy is on YouTube. So if you're a Bon Jovi fan, or if you were a Bon Jovi fan, I should say, definitely go seek this out. Uh, You can find it on YouTube. It's called Bon Jovi 
Access All Areas, A Rock and Roll Odyssey, I think is what it is on YouTube. Uh, and then it's like documentary 1990 or something. It's about an hour and a half long. And there's just some some really great footage of the old Bon Jovi that we all know and love and that we fell in love with to begin with. So check that out and enjoy. What you got next? Okay, so the next one I'm going to share, and it's just super smart. It's called Iron Maiden 12 Wasted Years, released in 1988. Now, before the release police get after me and it's like, well, on the website, on Wiki, it says 1987. And in some places, it says 1989. So you must not have the relate release date. I want to tell all those people, bitch, I'm holding the VHS in my hand right now. And it says 1988 on the back. So shut the hell up. That's a, that's a note to the release, please. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to cue Hannes right here. Bitch, please. I'm going to show you. <laughs> So why I say smart is Maiden started getting hot on MTV, obviously, you know, run to the hills, et cetera, et cetera. When somewhere in time comes and a wasted years and all that kind of stuff starts landing, Maiden starts to get really, really hot in the U.S. And for a kid like me, I'm getting into Maiden, I'm getting interested. I've seen them live. I want to go find everything that's Maiden and this stuff's easy to find because it got a bunch of stuff out there. Very much like Kiss, I go picked up the first two albums. I'm like, who the hell is that singer? That guy don't sound like the same guy I'm listening to on stage over here, right? So when this video came out, I didn't know a ton about Maiden at the time. I'd seen him live a couple of times, and I've obviously seen all the MTV stuff. And you'd see an interview here and there on MTV, and you'd read about him in the magazines, but you don't know a lot about him. And this thing is more like a documentary. So it's got early marquee London performances. It's got footage from the Beast on the Road tour, which was 1982, Bruce's first tour. The top of the Pops TV appearance with, you know, Diano. You got all kinds of old live footage, all kind of Maiden interviews. And there's like 15, 20 songs that they include in this thing. Some are videos, some are live clips, some are just parts of a song. And a bunch of highlights from the Somewhere on Time tour from 86, 87. So it gives you a nice little 90-minute Iron Maiden lesson for a kid like me that doesn't know a ton about Iron Maiden. And I would say that this video has a lot to do with Iron Maiden being one of my top 10 bands, right? And I remember watching this video a lot. It's a really good watch and there's no reason for Iron Maiden fan not to now see it. Now you fast forward, they've got all kinds of DVDs and you know, Iron Maiden documentaries and things you can learn about the band and blah, blah, blah. But in 1988, when this gets released, all that stuff doesn't exist. So this was my like YouTube page. Have you ever seen this? I have seen it. I used to own it. I don't own it anymore. I don't know what happened to it, but I did used to own this. And yeah, everything that you said, right, that was the way that we got Maiden. Maiden was a top 10 band for me back in 88 for sure so i would have definitely purchased this at some point i'll tell you like you said fast forward to current time iron maiden man i'll tell you what if they are not the best band at delivering great content for their fans they're one of the best because they deliver all kinds of like documentaries and great behind the scenes stuff and i just i love watching pick a documentary like i love so many of their documentaries 666 flight 666 all this different stuff it just is is so great to watch what really happens in their world so yeah that's cool shit and they're always doing interesting stuff so now dickinson's on tour like doing some sort of speaking engagement like i'm seriously thinking about going to that he's actually got a date here in atlanta i'm seriously thinking about just working it 
because he's doing a venue that that I work at. So I'm thinking about just not, you know, dishing out money for a ticket, but just working and getting paid to go. And then I can check it out a little bit because it does look interesting. I'm just not sure, you know? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, what you got next? All right, so I'm going to end it with this, which is more likely something that would have come out of your hands, but it's coming out of mine, which is, I told you guys, I grew up in the South and I loved Y&T from back in the 80s, but I'll be honest, I didn't see Y&T live until like the last five years was the first time I saw Y&T live because every time they were opening up for some big band that was rolling through town, whether it was ACDC or pick a band, for whatever reason, they weren't on the tour by the time it came through my town or where I was able to drive to to see a concert. So I didn't get to see Y&T. They were a West Coast band. Sonny's told y'all a million times. He's seen them like every hour on the hour. I think they live down the street from him, and they just play in the garage. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. So, but that's an interesting aspect and the difference between somebody like Sonny who lives on the West Coast and somebody like myself that grew up in the South in a smaller town. We didn't have access to a lot of these things. And so a band like Y&T that I absolutely love, I had to purchase this concert. And so I have live at the San Francisco Civic in 1985. And I'm guessing Sonny was probably maybe even at this show. Who knows? Were you at this one, Sonny? I was not because I was just a little too young. Uh, my first Y&T show was Halloween 86. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the difference in our ages. But this was one of the first VHS tapes I think I ever bought. Live Y&T at the San Francisco Civic. And the set list is as follows. Hang em High, Dirty Girl, Lipstick and Leather, Don't Stop Running, Rescue Me, Mean Street, Rock and Roll's Gonna Save the World, Guitar Solo, Hell or High Water, and Forever. That's the set list. And it's the classic Y&T that you know. It's Dave Manichetti, Philip Kenimore, Joey Owls, and Leonard Hayes. It's awesome because it gave me my first look at seeing Y&T live. It's awesome. It's 60 minutes. It's a concert video. Uh, there's not, I don't think there's any backstage footage with this thing. I'm not sure. I don't remember, and I haven't watched it in some time, but it's killer.
Do you own this? Oh, yeah, absolutely own it. And the set list is so great because it's just basically Earthshaker, Black Tiger, Mean Streak, and Rock We Trust, all greatest hits, right? So it's, you know, you got to take the guitar solo out. It's nine incredible Y&T songs. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to this live DVD, VHS, however you want to consume it, and you don't like the songs, then you're not going to like Y&T because this is, you're talking classic shit that if you're not in love with this stuff, you might as well just stop listening. Yeah. So I, I love it. And all they're another band that they've got this core group of fans. And man, when they release any type of medium, whether it's audio or visual, it is so great. It is done so well. And it really hits home with all the that core fan base that they have, uh, which is great. And that's included in the documentary that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah. Now, I would ask you if you're heartbroken about the recent news, but I'm guessing that it really doesn't matter to you because you live on the West Coast and can probably see them live anytime you want for the most part. Yeah. You know, I wish they were on the cruise, of course, because they're a great band and they're fun to watch. Uh, I can understand. You know, Dave. Dave's just trying to be as safe as he can be. Uh, he's getting up there in age. Uh, he doesn't want to do anything that's going to impact his four, five, six years he's got left that he's doing. And uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I can go see them. They're playing here in a week. I can go see them in a week if I want to. And then they're playing here again in end of December, I think. They're playing in the beginning of January. They're playing in Vegas in February. Like I could, I can see them anytime I want. Yeah. I think what I'm going to miss most, because I've been on the last two Monsters of Rock cruise, is the experience that we had as a group with them on the cruise in 2021, where we saw them at the pre-cruise party, where we all watched them up front. We had an amazing time. And then on the pool stage on the cruise uh, was another amazing time. So uh, that was just a good, good experience. And uh, I'm going to miss that for sure on this cruise. And, you know, who knows when they'll be back in, in this part of the neighborhood because they don't get this way as often. But Definitely going to miss it, but that's my last VHS tape. I keep wanting to say DVD, but it's the actual VHS tape. I got it in my hand right here. <laughs> All right, so you know we always like to connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, we're going to go with Fraley's Comet. So basically what had happened is they released that first album in 87. It does well. And the record company freaks out and they release Live Plus One as a connection to Second Sighting, right? So the second album wasn't done yet. They wanted the, the band to be continue to stay hot, continue to stay out there. And they released this uh, live recording called Live Plus One. Well, later on, a VHS came out called Fraley's Comet Live Plus Four. Now, again, this was released in 1989. I'm going to hear from the release police. No, no, no. This That recording was from March 19th, 1988. Yes, I know that release police. You can again suck it because <laughs> I'm holding the VHS in my hand and it says it released in 1989. Again, release police go to hell. Bitch, please. I'm going to show you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> This Live Plus Four, so there's a concert from Hammersmith, London, that uh, just a partial of the concert is on this video. It's got Rip It Out, Something Moved, Cold Gin, Shock Me, Breakout Rocket Ride, and it includes a smoking guitar solo. At this point, we've got Ace, obviously, in the band, John Regan in bass, Todd Howarth on guitar and lead vocals, so this is before Scarlett even enters the picture, and Jamie Oldacre on drums, because Anton you know, has a real job on Saturday Night Live. 
Now, Jamie just passed away about a year ago, so rest in peace. I love Jamie, but Jamie does not do a great job on like Rip It Out, where the drum parts and Rip It Out are very, very important to a Ace Kiss fan like me, right? Because those those drum parts, like I air drum to those parts because Rip It Out such a great song, right? And Jim just kind of does his own thing, and I'm like, yeah, you're not allowed to do your own thing there. So since he didn't really play it right, I'm going to play it right for you instead. So here is Rip It Out off of the 78th solo album, Anton Doing It Right. Here you go.
Yeah, so that could have gone any way. I thought you could, you almost might have taken the version of cold gin that Skid Row does on Oh Say Can You Scream. I thought about that, but then I forgot Sebastian's still singing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're so mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, cool. Good version of that, too. Have you seen this video? I have. I can't tell you when I seen it. I don't own it. I, I know I saw it when it came out, but... Uh, I don't own it, so. Yeah, and then the, so I told you the live tracks, the plus four is Into the Night, Rock Soldiers, Insane, and it's over now, they're the videos, right? So it kind of gives you a little flavor of both. I thought, you know, Ace did a, the record company, I, I'm giving Ace the credit, but Atlantic did a good job with this because it's very kiss-sized, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Right? It just gives you enough of a taste, but not enough to where you wouldn't have to buy other stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good. Uh, this is a great episode, man. I really enjoyed going back and uh, seeking out some of these VHS tapes on YouTube and just watching them and revisiting some of these things. And it's great to go back and watch some of this stuff now that history is played out on different things. And uh, it's just a fun trip back and uh, really is kind of the spirit of the Grown Up Rock podcast. So I don't know why it took us so long to do this episode, but I'm glad we did now that it's done. And uh, yeah. Good idea there, uh, Mr. Pooney. Yeah, I'll tell you, for me, this whole watching something where history has played out, but now you're watching the timestamp of 33 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it might be, and you're like, hmm, do I see hints of what happened later? It's very, very interesting. And you've heard me say it. I love Nicole. I love the kids. I love my life. My life turned out great. But when I'm watching this David Lee Roth video, I'm going back to when I was like 16. Right. And I didn't have any kids or a wife or responsibilities or a job or any of that. I was just watching videos. So it kind of just, it was so weird to sit there going, wow, I remember how this felt like just watching it. And I never care in the world. I was just trying to figure out how do I meet women that look like that? (laughs) I keep talking about how great it would be to go back. But honestly, back then I didn't have no money and I couldn't go on a monsters of rock cruise. So I'm good. I'm good with where I'm at. Thanks. (laughs) No, no, I, you know, we're both lucky guys and we, we, we ended up having a great life with some great partners. So there, there's no issue there, but there's a piece of, you know, reliving your childhood a little bit. And it's different when you see, I used to watch Hogan Heroes a lot when I was a kid. So anytime I watch Hogan Heroes, it's, it feels that way a little bit or WKRP in Cincinnati or something like that. But that didn't play out later in life. Like you don't know what WKRP turned into later in life here. It's just so weird that you get this like snapshot in time, but then you know what happened 30 years later. Yeah, no doubt. Right. And so it's hard to believe like that Skid Row video is real. It really feels forced. (laughs) Well, and they look so young. Like that's the other thing, like going back and looking at some of these videos for the Bullet Boys and for Skid Row and even for Warrant. Uh, well, and Bon Jovi, all, all of them really, when you go back and watch some of these videos, they're so young because you're used to now seeing a lot of these guys for the past five years, what they look like now, right? Cause they're all older shit. We're all older, right? So they obviously, they don't look like they did back in, you know, 86 and 90. So that's also interesting, right? Yeah. I noticed that a lot. I'm like, why does nobody have a shirt on? 
the whole warrant video, nobody's got a shirt on. The whole Bullet Boys video, nobody's got a shirt on. I'm like, why does everybody have a shirt off? Put some shirts on. But I'm like, oh, they look great. And that was part of the sell, I guess. <laughs> exactly. They look great. Yeah. There's a bunch of women and they're doing successful. So, yeah, why? I wouldn't put a shirt on either. If I looked like that and it was back in that time, I'd have my shirt off all the time. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther. So you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh, yeah. Ooh, it's a formidable scent. <laughs> Stings the nostrils. In a good way. Brian, I'm going to be honest with you. That smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Oh my God. What is that smell? <coughs> oh. That's the smell of desire, my lady. God, no, it smells like like a used diaper filled with Indian food. Oh. <laughs> so no, yeah, nice nice little uh episode. And uh for the listeners, you know, if you got an old DVD or old VHS that you haven't watched in a while, try it. I think you would really enjoy it. I really enjoyed watching these. Yeah, me too. And if you don't have a VHS player, just try to find it on YouTube. Maybe you, you'll luck out and find it. That Oh Say Can You Scream Skid Row thing, though, it's in like seven parts, which sucks ass. But it's still fun. You can seek out the Bon Jovi one. It's in one part, and that's that's good. But anyway, thanks for taking a trip with us back to our uh, youth. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this little trip that we took you on. And uh, that's about it. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week, I guess. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like. 
and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.